Good evening and welcome to our Bible study. And this evening we're going to look at Revelation chapter 16. So let's read that passage together now. 16 verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go, pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, You are just in these judgments, you who are and who were, the Holy One, because you have so judged for they have shed the blood of your saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues but they refused to repent and glorify him. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Men gnawed their tongues in agony, and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. But they refused to repent of what they had done. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its waters were dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are spirits of demons, performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on that great great day of God Almighty. Behold, I came, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him, so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to a place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne, saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake, the great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones of about a hundred pounds each fell upon men and they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible. Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you for these words that we've read in your presence, and we know that they are difficult to understand, but we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will lead us and guide us and show us what we need to know. 
Father, we commit these things to you and we do it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So we come to this passage of Revelation uh, 16. Now, last week we saw in chapter 15, verse 1 to 4, the Lord's people being reassured that whatever happens on earth, they will always be in his presence. Their place in heaven is secured. And at the end of chapter 15, we're introduced to the seven bowls that are mentioned again in chapter 21. So this evening, before we look at chapter 16, let's remind ourselves of how chapter 15 finished. So verses 7 through to 8, where we're introduced to the golden bowls in chapter 15. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. So what we have here, these bowls, and these bowls we know contain the wrath of God. Then we read on. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Now these words indicate God's presence as these bowls are given to the seven angels. So let's go to verse 1 of chapter 16 and look through to verse 7, where we're introduced to the first three bowls. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go, pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead person, and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. I know these are difficult words, but let us just uh, walk through them and see what we can learn. First of all, who is being judged? Well, we're told it's the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. What was in these bowls, these first bowls? Well, we're told they were ugly, festering sores and that the water was turned to blood. Now let's read on verse 5 through to 7. Then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, You are just in these judgments, O holy one, you who are and who were. For they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the, respo I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty. So in these few verses we've just read, we have confirmation that these are the true and just judgments of a perfect God, of a righteous God, and of a God who is holy. The phrase, you are just in these judgments, O Holy One, you who are and who were, this speaks of God's promise. Now, he made a promise that there would be vindication for those who have persecuted, been persecuted. And these judgments are, among other things, confirmation that 
justice will be done. Remember how earlier on in Revelation the saints are crying out for justice because of how they've been treated, many who have laid down their lives for the gospel. And the phrase, you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. This speaks of God's judgment. And this is speaking of, of an eye for an eye. In other words, this is the penalty that fits the crime. And this is God's prerogative. Justice is the punishment that the wrongdoer deserves. We even say in our own legal system that justice must be done. Now, in these passages, these verses that we've just read, there is a deliberate parallel here with Pharaoh and the ten plagues of Egypt. Now, let's just think about it for a few moments as we can see how this will apply to John, to those early churches and also through the church age down to us. So we know that Pharaoh was persecuting God's people. We know that the Lord would free his people from slavery. We know that he would bring judgment on his enemy and that he would lead his people into the promised land. Pharaoh refused to acknowledge who God is. Come with me to Exodus chapter 5. Now just read verse 2. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. We come down to Exodus 12 and verse 12. On that same night I will pass through Egypt. So this is God speaking. On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The Lord, by way of the plagues, was exposing Egypt's false gods, and Pharaoh ignored the evidence and refused the opportunity to accept who God is. In Exodus 14, verse 4, this is God speaking again, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Again in that chapter 14 of Exodus, verse 18, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. You see, the plagues were showing the Egyptians who God is. But Pharaoh refused to accept this. But the plagues were also showing the Israelites the Israelites, who their God was, and they could see the power of their God. Now, the plagues in Exodus were literal expressions of the power of God's superiority over the gods that the Egyptians worshipped. In other words, he was knocking down the idols of the day. 
He was exposing the idols of the day. These judgments here in Revelation are metaphorically representative of the idols of each generation during the church age. The metaphorical use of the events in Revelation stand for and they symbolize the divine judgment that is ministered by God on the ungodly. So the question is, what or who are the idols of our generation that are keeping people away from God? Now, we will look at this again, but for this evening, let's continue in our chapter, Revelation 16, and let's look at verse 8 through to 12, where we have the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth bowls. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was allowed to scorch the people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. Now this this here is the punishment against blasphemy. Now we tend to treat this word blasphemy quite lightly, you know, when people just use God's name in a conversation. But it's more than that, it's deeper than that. The response to this plague is to blame God. Blasphemy is to curse God. And they're doing it by blaming him rather than coming to him in repentance. During the Exodus plagues, Pharaoh, rather than recognize who God is, wasn't moved to repentance. But instead, he was moved further and further away from God. His response to each successive plague caused him to harden his heart to the point where God hardened Pharaoh's heart. In other words... For Pharaoh, the point of no return. In verse 10 of chapter 16, the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. But they refused to repent of what they had done. The contents of this bowl. Notice it's delivered directly on the dwelling place of the beast. The phrase, but they refuse to repent of what they had done, tells us that this is from them a deliberate act of aggression against God. And this giving them no chance of redemption. Verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. The final day approaches. The reference to the river Euphrates drying up is a way of saying that the Lord has made way for his enemies to march and marshal their forces And they're coming in order to oppose God. Marshalling their forces against him. Verse 13 through to 16. We have the introduction of three impure spirits. Then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs. 
that came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They were demonic spirits that perform signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for battle on the great day of God Almighty. You see, this is right just before the great day of judgment. The dragon and the beast, we know who are Satan and his followers, are encouraging those in authority to believe the lie, the lie that they could defeat God. Verse 15, look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. This here, this little interjection, is a word for the believer. A word for the believer to be ready. Remember, we're seeing parallels with what happened in Exodus. And this is reminiscence, as well as being symbolic, symbolic of God's words for his people to be ready Ready not for that first Passover, but for the judgment that will come. Exodus 12, verse 11. For them, this is what God said. This is how you are to eat it. That is the Passover lamb. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. The Passover lamb w w was the central figure. The people had to take of the Passover lamb. They had to be dre dressed. They had to have their sandals on. They have, had to be ready. That verse is here in Revelation. is for us. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Let me go back to 16, verse 16 of chapter 16 in Revelation. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. You hear that word mentioned quite a lot. You'll hear it mentioned in fictional situations, films where great battles take place and they, they refer to the Armageddon. Now let's stop and just think about this and think of what we know from the text, from what is being said. The word Armageddon means Mount of Megiddo. Okay, Mount of Megiddo. John knows that Megiddo is not a mountain. He's using the language in a symbolic way. He's not telling us where the last battle will take place, but he tells us that it will come at the end of time. How does John know about Megiddo? How does he know that there's no mountain in Megiddo? And if there's no mountain in Megiddo, why does he refer to the mountain of Megiddo, Armageddon? Megiddo is a place. Well, it's not a mountain. 
John knows his history. He knows the geography. It is a place where many Old Testament battles were fought. 2 Chronicles 35, verse 22 to 27. Josiah, however, would not turn away from him, but disguised himself to engage him in battle. He wouldn't listen to what Nietzsche had said at God's command, but he went to fight him on the plain of Megiddo. We read on in this, archers shot King Josiah. And he told his officers, take me away, I am badly wounded. So they took him out of his chariot, put him on his other chariot, and brought him to Jerusalem, where he died. He was buried in the tomb of his ancestors, and all Judea and Jerusalem mourned for him. Jeremiah composed laments for Josiah, and to this day, all the male and female singers commemorate Josiah in the laments that became a tradition in Israel and are written in the laments. And the other events of Josiah's reign and his acts of devotion in accordance with what is written in the law of the Lord, all events from beginning to end are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judea. Now, this is history, and John would have known this. Also in Zechariah, Zechariah the prophet, in verse 12, 11, On that day the weeping in Jerusalem will be great as the weeping of Hadad-Rimon in the plain of Megiddo. No mountain, a plain, a place. Why does he say Armageddon, mountain of Megiddo? John is using language, as he has done all the way through this book of Revelation, in a symbolic way, not to tell us where the last battle will take place, but to give us a picture of a conflict which is to come that will take place at the end of time. Let's go to Revelation 16, verse 17 through to 21, as we finish off this chapter for this evening. It's the seventh bowl. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne, saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones, each weighing about 40 kilograms, fell on the people, and they cursed God on account of the plague of hail, because the plague was terrible. I said earlier that the metaphorical use of the events in Revelation stand for and symbolize the divine judgment that is administered by God on the ungodly. You know, I mentioned also that 
these things that John is seeing, it's in the sequence that he sees them, not the sequence in which they are happening. So we still have more chapters to go in this book of Revelation. And as we go through these following chapters, these verses we've looked at this evening will be expanded. So we're going to look at that, and we're going to look out for that as we continue through this book of Revelation to the end. And we will see, as we have already seen so far, John's visions are in chronological order, but the events of his visions are not. Let's pray. Father, we do acknowledge that to understand these things, we need to lean upon your wisdom and to be guided by your Holy Spirit. And we pray that that will be the case, that we will come out of this book of Revelation. Yes, it is a hard book to take, but it is about God's judgment. It is about you judging. And it shows us the power and the awfulness of sin, but it also shows us the glory of who you are. And it shows us the importance of who we are those who are yours. And our Father, we ask that we will acknowledge these things. And we ask these in the name of Jesus. Amen.